You just listened to a snippet of the song that I wrote with Miranda Lambert called Champion, which she originally performed on my podcast, Make It Up As We Go. Today, I'm going to take you through my adventure in creating this incredible project and all the people who helped me bring it to life. Um, first up is award-winning songwriter Nicole Gallion. Nicole was the first person that Jared and I connected with when we were putting this together because we wanted to have a real Nashville hitmaker help shape the musical identity. Here's a taste of how things went down when we first started production. Oh, hi, Nicole. Hi, Scarlett. Hi. Um, you know, this project uh, came together way, way before we even had scripts. And the first thing that, you know, Scarlett and I discussed when uh, she came back from Nashville with the first batch of songs was, you know, we really want to get the authentic Nashville cosign into this thing so that people, you know, really understand that, you know, this is a project that resonates with the town and, you know, every, this has a, 
a writer involved who's written for some big names. And I remember the first conversation we had with Sloan, she said, you have to talk to Nicole. Nicole. And it wasn't like, talk to these three people. She just said, talk to Nicole. So, um, you know, what happened behind the scenes there? Did Sloan give you any heads up that these two <laughs> people would be entering your life? <laughs> no, I am. Um, you guys know this, I think. I I have a word for every year of my life and it's like my theme and my word for last year was champion. And part of that meant just expanding my territory um, and a lot, mainly in my career outside of the writing room, just to, and I didn't know what that looked like, but I had shared that with Sloan. And then I just said, please share anything that comes across your desk that, you know, I might come to mind on. And there were a few things that like came up and I was like, that doesn't feel genuine or authentic for me. And she sent me the deck for this, for your project. And truth be told, I kind of like marked it as unread and it just kind of kept moving down my inbox because it was a lot of materials and it was, I needed some peace and quiet to really look at it. And so uh, quite a bit of time went by and I didn't really respond. I'm sorry. But then something, I think I was on a trip and I was by myself in a hotel room and I was just like, I'm just going to go like really knock out some emails. And I found it again. And that's when I got on the phone with Sloan and I was like, let's talk about this because I really like this. And that, and we immediately got on the phone. I remember being in that hotel yeah. room talking to you on the phone, Jared. <laughs> and I was, um, I was, I'm just so glad that I, <laughs> I'm not so flighty that I, or flaky that I didn't finish reading that email because it was, I remember when I read it, I just thought, well, if I'm not going to do this, who is? This is so, this is so my life already. And it felt like, you know, from my end, it felt like kind of like an answer to some, an invitation for me to champion something. Yeah. And just like timeline wise, like the, it's often in this project, you know, I would get a call about something and immediately call Scarlett and go, you won't believe it. You know, like this crazy <laughs> thing happened. I was like, this person who's written all these like big, she's going to call you and talk about the project. And she's like, yeah, I know who Nicole is. So I guess Scarlett, what happened next? So it went from like phone tech, she called me and, and then she's like, okay, I want to speak to the person who's actually, you know, this is revolving around and then you guys connected. We connected at like, I was actually on my way back from Ohio writing the Taco Bell <laughs> song and uh, spoke with Nicole. And I was like, honestly, Nicole, I was pretty intimidated to speak with you on the phone and because it was like, you probably, you know, didn't know much of our background. And here we are, these two, like, kind of jingle writers in LA wanting to do this whole project. And um, and so whenever we spoke, I just, it felt so natural. It felt like a, a fit. It felt like, you know, I think Nashville in, like, one of the great things about Nashville is that it likes to keep its traditions. And then there's this other part of Nashville that, is evolving into um, you know new ways of releasing music, such as this project. And I felt like you got it. Like you you knew what this was. You knew what to do with it, and you knew what you could bring to the table. You know, not just as far as your songwriting goes, but as far as being that bridge between us, you know, LA folks into the Nashville world. And so, I mean, we spoke. I spoke briefly about the project, and it wasn't. I didn't really want to get too detailed about here's what the songs are going to be about and it was we kept it very broad of like okay we need a song that kind of fits this and kind of fits that and then you know it just wrote itself kind of naturally in the room well so, 
in the room was kind of, I've had two types of experiences with um, these types of like setups, you know, where it's a very specific person, not just like a casual day of like, oh, we're writing today. I've had instances where I've written with people like you where the song like didn't have anything to do with my world until five years later, or, you know, knowing, oh my God, we're going in here like Navy SEALs, these work things that must work. So, you know, I, in terms of like entering into the room that day, I knew that I felt a, a tremendous amount of like pressure to get like lots of stuff done. And we ended up focusing really on two things. I mean, how was that for both of you? Were you nervous that we were going to Scarlet fly all the way down there and maybe leave empty handed? And Nicole, did you know, you know, that these, even that we would write anything with intention or purpose that day? I mean, I'm always, I always have like low grade anxiety, like a very, very low level going into any, right? Like I'm about to go write with an artist right after this. And I wake up every day that I go into write and think what, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have, I just, I don't know. I think the longer I've done this, the more I have, conf I have confidence that what's meant to be will be in the room. And I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't feel nervous. I actually have a lot of luck with first time collaborations. I think there's something intangible that happens when people are a little bit on their heels and don't really know, because I think your senses are heightened. Mm. And therefore I think, um, I think you just write something. A lot of times you create something very special that you can't recreate maybe the fourth or 10th time you collaborate with those people. I, when I look back on, um, there's a lot of songs for me that are really special that were first time collabs. So going into writing with you guys that day, I'm sure I had confidence and some excitement that this could be one of those days. And it was. Yeah. I had absolute confidence because you had just won song of the year. So I was like, yeah. you no. thought she was going to cancel. Yeah, I was confident. I don't know. Yeah, I was, I, I knew we were we definitely weren't going to be leaving empty handed. I mean, God, I just seen you like, you know, like when I did the acceptance speech and whatnot. And I was like, I think we'll be fine. Like, um, no, but um, I didn't, I didn't really know how many songs we were going to come out with. And my worry was that we were going to try to focus on, I mean, I knew this wasn't going to happen, but I know in the past with some of the, like my trips to Nashville, it's been, I think I've made a mistake where I've focused on like quantity of songs to come home with over quality and so that was something I really wanted to make sure that you know didn't happen which you know like was perfect I mean champion it was kind of like we really let it just breathe and and so um you know and it worked but we got off to a bit of a in a misdirect I could see that like the faster song Scarlett you know the way that your songs typically roll out are more of the finger picking, you know, mid and slow tempo. Yeah. And I could see, you know, I also freak the hell out of people because I come in with all this and it was a bit of a circus <laughs> that day. We were, we were like, we're doing the project and Bobby's involved and guess what? Bobby's team is coming by and they've never heard of the project. And, you know, <laughs> it was, and, and by the way, <laughs> we have a video camera and uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. And, and, uh, and I've had that effect on a lot of people where, I also, people in the room go, Jared's doing all these things. And they're, then they're also looking to me going, what are we actually here for? You know, and then I looked over to Scarlett and I was like, oh, I thought working out was sounding really great. And she pulled me aside and was like, we need to figure out another 
song because that song's amazing but that's not the song that we came here to we didn't get you know we came here to get the my heart will go on big you know anthemic moment I think that I mean you asked about confidence or going into that day specifically feeling that pressure you guys had flown in we had a few hours in a studio at a hotel you know it's like there's a lot of things this isn't just like you know, around a campfire in someone's backyard and a song falls out when it happens. But I, I, it's very helpful for me to know that there is a target. And I felt like that was in some ways what was easier. I didn't know what writing for a project like this would be like, but in some ways it was easier because it eliminated a lot of like a lot of stuff that we couldn't write about. Yeah. And normally when I go in into my day job, it's like today I have no parameters. Tempo, low, like this lifestyle, breakup. Do we want to write it to pitch? Do we want to write it for the artist? Like this was so was such a pointed target that that I had a lot of confidence of like, I at least know what we're aiming at. Right. It but most of the time, the songwriter, you know, the blue collar Nashville songwriter is just like, just gets up to that and swings kind of blindly like I hope we hit something <laughs> yeah no it was it felt it did feel like writing for like a sync pitch like a film or tv pitch and obviously like um it there was so much more heart behind it because you know we created the thing but well and also you you know the easiest rights for my job are when you write with an artist that knows who they are and I think you guys knew what the project was right so it was very it wasn't it really wasn't just like getting up to swing it was like okay I like we have a you I, you already had enough of the arc of the storyline enough of the other music to go okay this is what we're missing and this right. is what we're going towards so that was and that's exactly what I wanted out of the, the process for myself was the challenge of that, of getting to be a part of writing for something very specific that was new to me. Once the finger picking started and, you know, here's to nowhere, Arizona, I honestly, if you look at the camera and the tape of that day, my pressure probably drops down to like a normal rate. Cause I was like, Oh, here, like, this is, I've seen it. Like now the song started now it's about coaching more than anything, you know, getting it. To, I was just like counting the minutes to like, till you would demo it in the booth. Cause I knew that like, you know, and I do it all. And you know, like once those melodies were there, I was like, the song's done. Now we just have to write it. I, I, I truly think that once you have a first line and a title of a song, you're like halfway there. It's so crazy that champion is like your word of the year. Cause like, even just like the, what happened even after that thing where, you know, it's like, oh, these two people came in from LA and they're writing and, you know, the, the Winston house sessions and the iHeart stuff that we did, like seeing the song, like take a life from, you know, songwriters, we write songs all day to the point where I'm sure we can barely remember the ones we've done in the last, like, you know, 30 weeks, but it was so cool seeing the specificity of that, like writing for a moment, writing with the attention. And when you both performed it for the first time, uh, working out and champion at Winston House, I was like, it's alive, like Frankenstein. I was like, it's real. And then I could start seeing what artists would theoretically be in that. Well, I mean, that's the craziest thing about songwriting. The magic of it in general is, you know, you, you create something that's tangible that is living and breathing. You walk in with nothing, you make it up as you go. Mm -hmm. And and truly, it's like you have a living, breathing thing. That, and I think 
like it was so cool with this too because you were really letting the mute one one of my favorite things about it was you were you were building a story around the music you had you had your body of work scarlet that you had already made and then you you use that as the muse for the whole project as opposed to usually it's the other way around where you create a story and then people are trying to kind of like back like back the songs into the project and it was it was really cool how it was so music forward um I thought that was because I think that's great songwriting is if you can tell a story without actually having to say anything and right. you already had that in place with the songs that you had written so thank kudos. you it was a lot to do with David as well he he heard the music and was like I get it and um you know it's those songs I truly never thought anybody would hear like this like my dove I wrote in my bedroom and didn't have any plans to do anything with it but I mean that's what I like about the um you know this project is and what I've explained about this project is that these songs are characters themselves and there is so much life imitating art here because you know we talked about keeping keeping it authentic to the reality of songwriting in Nashville and that that those songs are characters and, and they do have kind of their own journey from the writing room or even like what went on in the songwriter's day and then to the writing room and then around town and then to the artists. And, and so, you know, I think with champion, it just, it's, it's funny because it just is life it, again, it's just life imitating art and, and that's what we needed. Um, Scarlett, at what point did you uh, say to yourself, you know, what artist, you know, you thought was going to cut either song because that last part of the journey was kind of incredible. And Sloan, big shout out to Sloan, uh, was a huge part of, you know, helping us rein in that like casting process. I knew who I wanted, like immediately in the room, I wanted Miranda. Um, the song to me reminded me of House That Built Me. And then it just, it just felt like Miranda, that's who I wanted, but I didn't, I certainly didn't think that, no offense to our project, but I just thought it was just a, a long shot, you know? And that that's who, that's just who I wanted for it. And I just, I still can't believe that like, it all played out. And again, that's with thanks to Nicole and Sloan, but this, the word champion is just so fitting to this project because there's so many you know, even you, Nicole, like, and, and Miranda and all the talent attached to this, they could have easily said, you know, it's a podcast, no thanks. And I think that this, there's been so many champions a part of this project and it wouldn't have happened without all of those people and especially Miranda. So that's who I wanted from uh-huh. I think we talked about that in the room too, Nicole. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I, and I, you know, I was probably of the same mindset of like, of course, Miranda's the obvious, it was such a, it was such an obvious choice creatively for the song. It just made sense creatively, but also um, I personally, that's my story is my first two hits on radio were, were with Miranda and her, like she really, speaking of life imita- or art imitating life, you know, I mean, it was, it, it truly, very woven together all of this for me and that was I didn't want to make it about me but in the back of my mind I was like man that would feel so special 
if this could kind of be recreated again and told in a way to where people could really understand how this works and how it can change a songwriter's life like mine when an artist does come along and champions your song because it's not just about that song when an artist like Miranda or Lindsay L or insert any huge artist comes along and they they cut your song you don't just get the cut you get the validation and the whole town and community sees that that artist has signed off on you as a writer and your your creations and it really just opens so many more doors and I'm sure it is for you right now you know Scarlett even with other things you're like you don't even it the artist cutting your song kind of does the talk. You don't have to talk about it anymore. You can just show the world like this is. <laughs> She's six months it. away from from not returning our phone calls. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice knowing you. Maybe not yours, Jared, but I'll answer. <laughs> well, to be honest, like the whole thing, the payoff of the narrative is so like layered, and that's the specificity of like it's about the writers of Nashville. The show, and you know. Uh, to actually in real life, Scarlett get the call that you got, you know, I don't know why people call me first and I got the call about Miranda and I'm like, now I got to deliver this like life-changing news to Scarlett. She's not going to believe me. I need to call two other people to make sure it's true. But like, you know, when we found out that Miranda was cutting it, even I like, look, I've gotten to work with a ton of people that feeling never goes away. Cause it also validates the, the work that you put in to get to that point. And you're like, wow, somebody actually likes something I did. And not only that, but Scarlett, the, you know, your introduction to the town is some incredible names. It's like Tyler Rich alone is great. Lindsay L alone is great. You know, Miranda, that that's the home run. And then the icing on the cake is now you're working with another one of Nicole's artists, you know, Haley Witters, just as like an extra bonus to end 2020. Do you talk about that for a second? Uh it's just, I feel like this year I've had my head down and focused on work. And then it's kind of, I feel like right now I'm kind of um, like taking the blinders off and seeing it all from the, you know, thousand foot view. And I just, I mean, us being able to make this project this year, whenever everything was so uncertain, you know, this has been so rewarding and so fulfilling. And, you know, being in like, the pandemic and you know I live by myself like I don't know what I would have done without having this project um and as far as you know working with these amazing artists and you guys it just it just feels like we did the work and it just fell kind of into place naturally so oh no my dog's gonna go nuts okay we uh, left early but but um yeah it's even with like the Christmas song with Haley, that was one as, as, as we were writing it, Jared, I was like, Oh, this would be perfect for Haley. This would be perfect for her. And I'd been following her career and her music. And then of course, you know, the songs, that, the song that you wrote with her heartland is on repeat in my house. And so it's just sort of like, I feel like you kind of, what I like about this project the most is that it shows the relationship between artist and songwriter and what that looks like and how, Hey. He's not bothering us. No, it's fine. It makes it just make them more country. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On brands. Charlie, stop. Okay. He's huge. No. Um, I think he's done. Charlie, stop. Anyway, so um, 
No, I think that like there's just it just you hear the artist in the in the song once you start writing it in that first verse, and it's like I just I just can't. We've just been so lucky actually attaching those artists. So. Well, um, so you know, I know that we are coming to the end of this conversation, but Scarlett and Nicole, season two, what what what's going to happen? Um, Scarlett, you go first. Who's getting pregnant? more songs more I we I don't know I don't know I kind of feel like I'm it's weird because I kind of feel like I'm living like what season two might hopefully I mean I don't want to get pregnant but um Charlie stop um I don't know I I just don't know I feel like I'm kind of living that out right now and wanting to again the authenticity up. I'm sure Nicole, you and I will have a lot of conversations coming up discussing, you know, what season two looks like because at this point in my career, I I can't tell you. I don't know what that looks like just yet for <laughs> more of it. But, well sometimes you have to quit writing. I always say like sometimes you have to take time off to uh, writing to go live. So you have something to write about. And it's that's probably the same with with the podcast too, like you, you, your, you and your life have been the muse for the music and the story for this. So you need to go, you're living it right now. And I, I think that's so cool. Yeah. Writing in, are we writing in the pandemic? I mean, <laughs> what rhymes with COVID, you know? You probably, I mean, it would be, again, it's like going back to that authenticity. Yeah. I think there's some of that in season two, you know, I mean, artists have been, unfortunately, you know, they've all been so Im- impacted by it and really have really had to, get creative with releasing their music and um this, yeah, maybe. that's been the most exciting part about this is that we never could have predicted that this would have been a dynamic way that people could put out music in a year like Scarlett you know um you know you've managed to you know I know that you're very humble about it but you've managed to break through in a town that's very hard to break through in um, as Nicole will tell you, and, you know, I sort of sneak my way into Nashville every now and then, but I'm not really part of that world. Um, but you know, that you, you really, you know, by writing your own story, which is, you know, kind of how a lot of these outlier talents, like the Billy Bob Thorntons of the world, um, the, you know, Stapletons of the world, they're there. And then they become there in a new way. Like you were already on a path and being successful as a commercial writer, but I just think that this is such an incredible example of creating your own story, creating a new dynamic way that people discover stuff. And uh, I'm just happy that I got, I'm like Ringo Starr. I'm just happy that I got to go along for the ride. It was incredible. And, you know, seeing this all come to life from the writing room there as a tourist and someone who was involved in producing it, I, you know, congrats on the amazing year, both of you. And uh, let's, uh, let's do it again in 21 without any of the global pandemics and the rest of that bullshit. <laughs> Right back at you. It's been awesome. This whole year, it's been great. It's been like a B12 shot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I want to say one more thing. Howdy Christmas. Howdy Christmas. Howdy Christmas. (laughs) Howdy Christmas. (laughs) Around the time that we wrote Champion and Working Out with Nicole Gallion, Jared and I had begun our casting process. So he and I spoke to his partner at Audio Up, Dennis Quaid. Dennis played a huge part in getting Billy Bob Thornton on board, which in turn helped us get Miranda Lambert to join the cast as they're big fans of each other. Um, production, it's its like putting together a puzzle and can prove to be tricky. Dennis, though, he helps immensely. Here's a quick conversation with Dennis himself, my podfather, as I like to call him, that explains 
explains how production started before COVID-19 and ended in the middle of it. We were working in a world where we did not have the luxury of being in a room together. So we had to do this um, just over Zoom technology. Well, you know, it's, uh, gosh, it's so kind of hard for me to remember when I first heard about Make It Up As We Go. You and I met through Jared. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember um, being at Viper Room <laughs> that night when you sang. And uh, I think that's when we, were, when we were talking about it. Right, yeah. And it was kind of like a, a make it up as <laughs> we go moment, in fact. We were kind of <laughs> sitting on the curb, all three of us. And, um, you know, you, you were having one of those moments, like when you call your dad for Right. What am I doing with my life? Yeah. Yeah. And uh Yeah, you and Jared yanked me out of the bike room and you y'all sat me down on that curb and had a real pep talk with me. <laughs> yeah. That. Which we all need every once in a while. We all need pep talks. <laughs> the parking but, uh, lot of the bike room was a yeah. moment I'll never forget. <laughs> but uh uh anyway, uh, we had just set up audio up and we were we were in Pandemicville, I think, at that time, right? And so we didn't have a place. We couldn't get an office because nobody was leasing offices or whatever. So we came over. We made my house the office and recording studio and everything for a couple of weeks. It was still like, you know, it was a startup company. And so, but now from where you guys started from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, audio up as my production partner on this project. It's so weird to ever think of y'all as a startup. And it was, it wasn't, it was almost 12 months ago. And when we were at your house, it was the idea of this project was I wanted it to be a set where we mic the rooms, we mic talent and, that way you can feel and hear like every part of the room. And, you know, it was just a footsteps and all the ambient sound that goes. Yeah. With that. Yeah. Which yeah. you were gracious enough to let us do at your house. But I mean, what was it like having a, like a person <laughs> in your house? It didn't work out so well, actually. Cause they had to bring in refrigerators, and stuff, <laughs> people's eating habits. <laughs> the dogs and the kids and everything else it was like uh, 25 people in this room (laughs) (laughs) so it was a good prompter for everybody for us to get the the new uh audio audio chateau that we got but that was great being here in this room we were all like shoulder to shoulder in here on the couches and uh you know reading it live and basically doing it live Right, which was also before we were, just to be, you know, clear, we were, it was before we knew how that, you know, it was before the shutdown or anything like that. So mm-hmm. we were still being, you know, safe. Oh, that was before the shutdown. Before the shutdown. Oh, that's right. And it was before the shutdown, but we hadn't launched audio up yet. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for that senior moment that <laughs> corrected. So. No, we've been safe. Blur. This whole year has been a blur, but, uh. Yeah, that was that was fun being in here and uh and, and Dwight you and it was there was a, a whole musical element on our set, which I can't wait for this to go into TV development because mm-hmm. all of our talent, you know, yourself included, 
are all incredible musicians. So when we would stop and take a break, somebody would pick up a guitar and start playing something. And then another actor like Rob Mays would pick up a guitar and there would just be this impromptu jam session between. Well, I got enough of them in here, you know. (laughs) And we definitely used your guitars. Yeah. And, uh, but, it, but it was just such a, just the vibe. I'm so glad we were able to have that experience before the shutdown. But- well, I tell you what's really been great for me is, is watching you, uh, grow into this and watching this come, you know, coming out of you. And, uh, you know, this is, this, uh, you know, you, you really are in a, in a way you're playing a character, but you really are playing yourself in a way. And you did such a great job, uh, on it, you know, with totally believable character, and uh, uh, it was like watching you know metamorphosis go on, go on, you know, coming out of the the butterfly, coming out from the <laughs> caterpillar. It really was, you know, just what just watch you grow as an artist and really uh, grow into this thing. And it, uh, I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of what we did uh, with, uh, you know, for audio up as a whole. This is our first real scripted thing as a company to, to, uh, to come out and uh, the people that we, you know, just made my jaw drop the people that we were able to get involved in this thing and everything. Right. Billy Bob, Miranda, Bobby Bones. Who your friends, I know you're friends with and I had met him with you prior. I don't know if you had remembered that or not. Yeah. But you know, what was that phone call like whenever you called Billy Bob and said, Hey, I <laughs> He doesn't need a podcast. He doesn't need to do that. So yeah, why, no. why do you, you know, I know what that, how that is too? You know, when like, uh, you know, people call you to do a podcast, like, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I have to go clean. Billy, my- Bob, Billy Bob was really great about it because he was really interested in, you know, in, right. in it for what we were doing. It's once people realize what audio up is doing and how it's so, uh, music focused and at the same time you know it's like the old idea of a radio play coming around it's the movie for your ears mm-hmm. and uh yeah i think everybody picked up on the idea of it yeah and billy bob also wanted his script uh which uh we're gonna do on uh floyd uh on the spelunker really oh you guys yeah. that's great yeah do uh scripts in the drawer that we're going to do. Well, I got to tell you, I can't, I mean, I can't tell you how intimidated I was sitting there with you and Billy Bob on zoom, having gone from like two years ago, I was like a crunch dancer in a KFC commercial to working with you and Billy Bob Mm. (laughs) giving you guys any direction. I felt like I was completely out of my element, but he was so great. He was really open to it. Wasn't he? Oh yeah, absolutely. About it. It just, you know, he just turns into, you know, he, he's such a great guy. And uh, I think we were doing that when the COVID, when it was COVID. Right. Um, right? So it made it a lot easier for him to just to be at home. Right. And, just dropped a mic. Off. Yeah. I think you, somebody dropped a mic off to his house. Yeah. And yeah, but it was, um, you know, it's amazing how, we, you know, I, I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to, my, we're going to shut down production. We'll just have to stop. And, you know, with the way that Jared is, as you know, it was, there's no should in his vocabulary and it's just, let's, we're going to figure it out. We're going to keep moving forward. And so next thing I know, we're dropping microphones all over the country for this wow. project and shipping them around and, you know, with the hand sanitizer and everything. So I'm just, 
you know, I couldn't be more happy, couldn't be more proud and grateful to like the cast and, and you for just like rolling with the punches that came with production. I mean, I feel like our, our session went pretty smoothly when we recorded our lines and everything, but, um, but yeah, I just, it's so, it's so wild seeing everyone that's involved, but have you ever met Miranda before? I met her backstage uh, just briefly, you know, when I was with Tanya. Oh, right. Uh, a couple of those awards, glitter shows. Right. Uh, yeah, she's, she seems really nice, but must have been uh, really something uh, for you. How did, how did it, uh, what, was that, what was that first session like for well, you? When I first found out that she was going to do this, I was actually at your house and peaches your dog was chewing on a water bottle underneath the trampoline and jared it was like miranda's in she's gonna do it and she's gonna do the song and i think i just like burst into tears under your trampoline because i was getting the water bottle from peaches <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the reality of what part of the story she's yeah. gonna <laughs> Glad about it's that. With, with your dog under the trampoline whenever yeah. she found out. And it was like, I, I mean, it was just, I just, I, I don't know. I got so emotional um, over yeah. it. Yeah. And how did you feel like what, on the on the first sessions with all that? I mean, hearing it, 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 it I don't, I, it's, I don't, you know, it, it was so fitting. And then she, I knew she was perfect for this. And I knew if she just, mm -hmm if she just gave us a chance and if she just knew the story and which she knows that story, she's lived that story. Well, she that's her. Yeah. That, yeah. She saw herself. She saw herself in you. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so I think it, there was so much hope there and I had her in mind from day one when Nicole and I were writing champion. And so, yes, it was overwhelming and incredibly exciting, but I also, it just felt so right, you know, so um, I had cried my happy tears and then we went back into the room that you're in now and we just got back to work. And started. Yeah, you know, it's very important to get to a place where you feel like you belong. You know, you belong to be, you, you deserve to be there. You know what I mean? Right. I, I would go through that, uh, my, whatever, like first days of any, any movie that I'm on, I go on and go, I don't deserve to be here. So it takes a while to kind of get over that and uh, just kind of get gelled and, you know, figure out that, you know, people are people. And, uh, and because uh, it's, I think it's really important to enjoy the ride. At you know? which and uh, it's, it was just, it's been so great to, to watch you enjoy this ride. Which, thank you. Which, which production? Aside from Make It Up As We Go, did you feel that? <laughs> oh, I feel that every time I would start my first day. <laughs> the I don't, I, that kind of imposter syndrome? Yeah, yeah. The imposter that, you know, so, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, it's like I did a movie, I played uh, Barbara, uh, but Gene Hagman was my dad. And Barbara Streisand was <laughs> played my lover. And I was like, his, I was his son. I was Gene's son. That was that was really intimidating. But you know, they just turned out to be great people. Right. They're they're you know, you have them up on these pedestals because you had yeah respect their work and then getting to work with, you know, even like I feel like working with you and Billy Bob and and the rest of our cast, like it's just been the best acting class 
of my life. I mean, seeing how everyone, like you've taught me a lot, you know, working through the scenes and you had this great analogy of like, it's almost like you have to keep the ball up in the air. Like you're keeping a, you're tossing a ball around and you can't let it drop. Like you've got to keep the energy up. And that was like, once you explain, when you, when you were talking about that in a scene, it just clicked. Like, and I feel like. I don't remember saying that, but that sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds right. You had a, you had a moment. Um, (laughs) But no, I felt that way because you, I, you and I had met on the set of your show Vegas and I was an Mm -hmm. extra and I was like a cigarette tray because it was a period piece. So I was, Mm -hmm. it was what? 40, 50s, 50s. Must be the, I think that was 1961 or something. Okay. Yeah, it was 61. With my history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that, that was a lot of fun. Anything uh, before the 80s. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's kind of, it's funny how uh, things come around, you know, and you're well, able yeah. to put all your acting experience and, and all your music experience and put them together. And, uh, right. you know, that's all that wondering you were why you were doing that back then, I thought it's finally making sense to you, I guess, right? I think so. It was, I was so Tim. I never told you this, but when we were on your set, my goddaughter at the time, I mean, she was at, at the time maybe like in second grade and they were doing the school project where they have to, they send this like paper cutout character to a relative that's far away and it's called Flat. Oh, and, and where's Waldo? Or like, it's like Flat Stanley. Flat Stanley, yeah. Yeah, That's so funny, I yeah. had, and I they put her on it. So I had Flat Stanley, and yeah. I was on your set, and I was so tempted to ask you to take a picture with Flat Stanley. You should have. I, I didn't know. I was trying to be cool. I've done that for all of my kids. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Flat Stanley. Yeah, well, we yeah. Ended, I took a photo with Flat Stanley outside, like, one of the trailers on set. Anyway, yeah. um. But yeah, working with you and Billy Bob, you know, I definitely had that imposter moment where I was like, something's wrong. <laughs> like, they think I'm somebody else. But I just can't thank you enough for being a part of this. And well, I, I really uh, was so glad to, to be a part of it. And uh, just really looking forward to see wh- where it goes from here, which is going to be exciting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's only up from here. And, um, you know, we wouldn't have had the success that we've had without people such as yourself, and Billy Bob and Miranda. And I just I can't thank you enough for working with me and taking a chance on me. Thank you, Scarlett. And uh, uh, you did such a great job. And we all have something to be proud of, I believe. I agree. I agree. Well, thanks for doing this. And um, you bet. Yeah, and um, I will talk to you soon. Okay, make it up as you go. See you later. Make it up as we go. That's right. (laughs) Are you going to be? A huge piece of this project is the Bobby Bones, who is one of the best known media personalities and producers in the music world. Has had number one best-selling books. Um, But Bobby was kind enough to sit down with us and talk about why he got involved in this project and how this story resonated with him. Oh, hey, Bobby. Hi, Scarlett. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, so it's it's uh, it's good to see you again after, like, wrapping the show and everything. And I just can't thank you enough for being a part of it. But I guess my first question for you, as a nobody in Nashville, um, at, when, before this project developed, like, what, what 
brought you into this and what made you, I mean, I know what happened behind the scenes, but what in your gut made you want to do this project or how did this happen? Why are we here? Well, I felt like it was just as much as it was a fictional story. It really wasn't, you know, I mean, it was a fictional story that we told, but it was really the story of so many people, so many um, strong women, singer, songwriter, artists, um, and, and kind of the saga that they go through. And, you know, for me, I've, I've tried to champion that as much as I can on the radio and touring. Um, and so I felt like this was another avenue not, because not only was it super entertaining and, you know, we were doing something that not a lot of folks had even tried, um, especially with, with the, the music part of it and releasing music. But, you know, I just felt like that it was really good. And so all that together for me, it was kind of a no brainer to not only be on it and use my voice a little bit, like, I, I, cause I'm on the podcast, but also to promote it and, you know, to be a part of it. So I'm very proud of it. You, I mean, you did such a great job. How, how do you feel now that, you know, the season is over and a lot of people have consumed it in summer. Like, what is your feeling? Um, I'm not going to let you turn this around, Bobby. I know this is your, <laughs> this is what you do. Um, but I guess I'll quickly answer it. I just, um, I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of what we've created and every person involved is just so incredibly talented in their own way. And like, um, I knew we had something great whenever I read the script. And I think just the way that David Hudgens writes, I think it spoke to a lot of our talent involved, including Miranda, because they, he had that, you know, he wrote Friday night lights and that tells the story of Friday night football and I think he kind of likes to tell stories that aren't so um, commercial, like the songwriter behind the hit song or the Friday night football game, not the NFL football player, you know? So I think um, I'm just so proud of it and ready for season two. Well, let me ask you one other thing. Was there anybody <laughs> that you worked with that you were like, wow, this is really cool. I get to actually work with this person. Um. Uh, that, um, I'm not, it's not like there's a blank there. There's several people that I'm thinking of, including yourself. Um, obviously Miranda, I mean, it's, it's just so full circle. Cause like I was learning her songs on, you know, guitar whenever I like, like, um, I mean, and then, and then we put that into one of the lyrics about how like, you know, your songs kind of keep you company if you're in a new place or if you're by yourself. And so she, in her own way, like her music, like kept me company whenever I was like in a new city. So for her to cover, to, to cut that song when that's what that song's about, just blew me away. But, um, do you think that there's like, um, I like this year in country radio, country music, like who do you feel like are some standout um, female acts? Cause I know you're like such a force behind those voices. And like, like who's, who's a standout country artist this year, aside from me. Aside from you, you know, you always have, and I'll just talk about, you know, the strong women, trust me, guys are getting enough, enough <laughs> accolades. Um, obviously Miranda and Carrie, right? Like they are just dominating year after year. But when you look at someone who's climbing up there with them is Maren Morris and right. quickly a quick ascent up. And then you get down into, you know, the, the real, the newcomers who are starting to, you know, make that first splash and maybe they don't have big radio hits yet, but 
you know, Marin put out a whole EP before she had a hit on the radio. And, and so you can see some folks doing that now. You know, Cassie Ashton is somebody who I've known for a few years. And I'm just like, man, she is one song away from not just having a hit, but from being a superstar because she's such an artist. Um, you know, you talk about new artists, too. There's an Australian girl named Nikita Carmen who is oh, just yeah. she's just so different. Like she you know, she's not in your face. She's not a big, loud singer. Um, but there's a real preciousness to her, her tone, to how she writes. And I think, you know, to, to really make it, you gotta be different. Um, and it, you know, I think that just whenever you look at the, the landscape of what's happened in a weird year, you know, a lot of friends to have put out music in 2020 and it's just like, well, it kind of existed, but we were so focused on the news and so focused on, you know, being locked in our houses and, and rightfully so. Right. That, that a, a lot of stuff got glossed over. So it's a weird year to, to, to have to look back and judge, but some people really performed fantastically. And Marin, Carrie, Miranda, you know, Cassie, Nikita, they're who come to mind right now. Right. Yeah. I um, I feel like there there was that, what we missed this year was if you're a newer up and coming artist, you missed that opportunity to connect with your audience or a new audience. And I, was, I can't remember who I was having this conversation with the other day, but um, it was about how this, project in a way created a connection between the music and the listener and like a new audience in a way. So even though we didn't have a live um, performance aspect of it, we, we kind of created this different way of, of, you know, reaching a, a, a listener. Um, but you yeah. Know, the story of Scarlet, you know, and, and make it up. And, and I look at the parallels with other artists and she's a little, She's a lot um, more as a songwriter now, but I, I just see like a Caitlin Smith who comes to my mind, who is such a great songwriter and just, and, but has such a distinct voice as well. And it, just talking about the records we're talking about, she put out a fantastic record in 2020. And it, I believe it came out in March or April. But again, that was right when our world was changing. And, she, you know, then she put out a, a bonus you know, the, the deluxe version with, you know, I put Old Dominion on it. It's fantastic. But, you know, I, I think they've done wonderfully. I think that there are a lot of artists and, and I hope people will recommend the podcast to their friends too. I, you know, I think word of mouth is such an important part of the growth of any creative endeavor. Um, mm -hmm. Sure. I can talk about it on my show and, you know, but when your friend recommends something to you, you check you check it out. Like on Netflix, if, if somebody was like, "Hey, you got to check out the Queen's Gambit," which they did, I wouldn't have checked it out unless it was somebody I trusted. Right. So hopefully, people that are listening to us talk will will actually recommend this to one of their friends. Yeah, I was I was a little nervous um, of you know how Nashville and the country radio or country music scene would um, accept this project and what the re response would be. And so I feel like we've just had such an incredible response and everybody's ready for season two and wanting to know what happens to, well, I won't say anything in case anybody watching hasn't listened to the last episode, but, um, but that said, do you feel like, I mean, do you see more artists wanting to use podcasting as a way of releasing new music after something like COVID has happened? You know, I think that it takes something to be a success to make everybody go, oh, I'd also like that success, right? And I think with, you know, Miranda putting out such a great song, I think with the podcast doing so well, I think people would be, would be crazy not to look at these 
non-traditional ways to promote themselves or their music. They would be crazy not to. Um, but again, it takes someone with a little bit of foresight to identify that this could be a tool that would you know, be effective for them. And I credit, Amanda, I credit Miranda, I credit yourself uh, to seeing that, that it's actually worth the time. I mean, I've got a whole podcast network. I've got 11 podcasts on my network of all these different shows. And I see the power of podcasts. And I see that just because it's not on you know, um, a radio station, some of the podcasts that are on my network are as big as radio stations just for the podcast. Right. So there, there, are, there are numbers and all we're competing for now are people's eyes and ears and however you get them is, is getting them. So I hope so. But what's going to happen is this podcast is a success. There'll be some more, but then everybody's going to want to do it. And then you're going to have everybody release a musical podcast and it's just going to be, but so I would hope that they get in on it while it's still, you know, a pretty new thing. Well, hopefully those artists will come our way and be a part of season two. Um, so tell me about like the impact of Miranda on country. Like, is this, and is this your first time working with her as a producer or what's your backstory? Yeah. As a producer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, her impact on country is, First of all, she's as big a superstar as country music has. That being said, she, she's been able to do the thing of, you know, she went a few years without a big hit, but was still able to have massive success because hit single hits, that's not all that matters. Right. You know, you know she did a, a, a double record that was so good and such a piece of art that it didn't really have a radio song on it, but it wasn't really supposed to. Right. And, you know, and everyone's like, man, it's been five years since Miranda's had a hit. I'm like, yeah, but no one has put out a record like that or with that success. So, you know, Miranda's always being the, the yang to a lot of folks seeing, um, you know, when they zig, she zags and mm -hmm. she's continued to do that and maintain, being able to maintain the, the, the mega force that she is. So just to work with Miranda and I know her a bit as well. And she's just fantastic. And, you know, as I would say even nicer away from a microphone or a guitar as she is on. Um, she's just a really good person. And I think that's what I'm mostly a fan of. Absolutely. I mean, she's, her career is, is um, you know, it's really been something to follow it. And I kind of feel like, you know, she related to the story of Charlotte Sales leaving, leaving Texas. But, um, but okay, all that said, I have one last question for you. All right. As you know, we're, you know, having the conversations of developing it into a TV series. Who do you see playing Bobby Bones? Well, hopefully not me. <laughs> I have well, too many. I have you'd too have many to jobs. audition. You'd have to audition. I have too many <laughs> jobs. If I here's the thing, it, listen, it would be amazing. However, if I have to go and audition and and try to get the job, that means my other shows aren't working and they failed. Um, so. <laughs> No, the Not, character's name is going to be Bobby Bones, so you'll just be auditioning. We'll see how well you can act as yourself. You know, I would maybe like a, uh, what was, who's the guy from Gossip Girl, the Adam Brody? Is that his name? Oh, yeah, I could see that. But like, yeah, like put some glasses on him. He's better looking than I am. We always want someone, you know, to play a better looking version of you. So I would definitely try to take it up a notch. <laughs> so, you know, I think, or, or the guy that plays Dexter. He's a little older than me, but he kind of has the same look that I do. Yeah, you guys do. You, yeah, I didn't think about that before. We all do have like similar features. So one of those two guys would probably, if not those two, Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> Perfect. I know, I'm sure Jared is, is noting all of this for our, our cast wish list. 
But he'll um, be an easy one to get. He's always wanted to play me, so he's probably just waiting for that call. Oh, by the phone. Yeah, that. Yeah, maybe we should just go ahead and make that call now. We'll do it on your show. <laughs> give, give me a number. I'll call him. Well, listen. Let me say to you, congratulations. You just did such a fantastic job. I know that anytime you approach something new artistically, there's always risk. There's always nerves. Um, and there's always that moment when it goes out to folks, you know, it's happened with me with, with books and radio shows and even new comedy material, but you're always like, okay, now's the time where I'm going to see if people like it or not. I'm just out there. And you had to do that in such a big way. And you just did such a great job. And I hope you're, you're proud of yourself for, for all the passion and work and also talent that you put into this. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate that a lot. Um, that means the world coming from you. And I can't, I know we wouldn't have had the success we've had with this project if you hadn't been involved and you were you were there from the get-go. And I just can't thank you enough for being a part of this and taking time to, you know, talk about the project today and before we dive into, you know, the holiday break and whatnot. But um yeah, thank you so much for for um talking with me today. Good, good to talk to, to you. Always good to see you and you know, Jared and Nicole Gallion, Miranda, you know, I, I could keep going. Like you said, there's so many people just a plus to you guys. Yeah, thanks. It, was, it was a thrill to just be able to, you know, watch the masters at work. So thank you for letting me a part of it. And, and hopefully I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So this is really cool. Sony music is the record label for this project. And they ran a contest for one lucky fan to get into a conversation with me, which is crazy because I've never had fans up until now. <laughs> um, I was very excited to share the insights that I had into what it takes to become a songwriter in Nashville, especially as somebody who's experienced it, you know, firsthand this past year. So I'm extremely happy to share this conversation with you all. Hey, Angela, thank you so much for, you know, submitting to the contest and thank you so much for tuning into the project. You know, we weren't quite sure how, um, you know, we would, our listeners respond. So thank you so much for being a fan of the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I'm just, I can't believe that I won this contest. I just enter just to hopefully see what happens. And here we are. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm so glad that you did. Um You said that you're a songwriter yourself. So is that something, is that what really intrigued you about the show or did <laughs> yes I'm I would love to pursue a career in songwriting um I've been songwriting for a few years now just really getting focused into it um and yes when I heard about the podcast I just I knew I had to listen to it because there probably aren't a lot of podcasts and not a lot of you know like information about what goes on behind the scenes so I know that it is a tough industry to get into. Sure, yeah. Um, what um, what did you feel like you connected to the most with Charlotte about? I feel like there was a lot of parallels with Charlotte and I, um, including, you know, the pressure of being the best and just invading music row. You know, I. No, here I am, a girl, and from the West, we, you know, a songwriter, a singer, you know, just making it in the business. So, um, yeah, I feel like Charlotte and I do have a lot of similarities with that. 
Absolutely. Well, the thing nowadays, everybody being on Zoom, it's like you can be you can be riding from anywhere and and you know, we're all working remotely. So it's kind of I feel like it takes I know what that feeling is though, because I lived in LA for 13 years. So I would had that same kind of nervous approach, even though I come from a country Texas background, I I just had the same nervousness of like, oh gosh, here I am coming from the West Coast. Are they going to take me seriously? And, you know, but you just let your music speak for itself. And I mean, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I do write from personal experience and, you know, life experience. So I hope, you know, what you've done and what Miranda has done and Carrie Underwood and Maren Morris and all those people that I love and that I look up to as singer-songwriters, you know, I do that. Absolutely. Well, that's what makes good country writing or country music. Story first, you know. For sure. So did you have any questions for me about the storyline, the characters? Yeah. Um, I know that this was a scripted podcast. How did that come about? Like how you know, were you really thinking about doing the scripted podcast at first? Like, how did you finalize the script at the end? Well, the songs actually came first and I had written those. There's uh, six songs from the soundtrack that were just ones that I had written on my own, even just in my bedroom by myself or um, in a session in Nashville that were, um, if I may say so myself, decent songs, but not not quite country radio. So um, Jared Goodstadt, who created the the podcast and the whole project with me and producer on the album, um, he said, "Let's just record your songs, and you know we'll find we'll find a place for him because he comes from a world of um, sync music." And so yeah, the the songs were recorded first; they were written just over the years, just from my life experiences. And then there was this sort of natural story arc that developed once we had the the six songs on the EP. So then we took the music and basically just played it for our writer, David Hudgens and his son, Brooks Hudgens. And, and they wrote based off the songs. So usually it's the other way around. And so um, it was fun to to do it this way. Wow, that is so interesting. That is so cool. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I don't know, just, you know, that's the thing with songwriting is, you know, you just like, when you feel the inspiration, you just write and then sometimes you find a home for them and it could be next week, it could be five years from now, but um, that's really the story behind the the music and the story arc of Make It Up As We Go. Yeah, so did you have these songs you know stashed away for years months just um yeah like breathe Tyler Rich and I wrote that with Jared Goodstadt um like two years ago and so I wanted to bring it into the soundtrack so I was I was always a fan of that one in particular and we needed a fictional radio hit in the storyline due to licensing fees and um so we decided to just, you know, why pay for a song when we're songwriters and we can just, you know, it's already fictional. So let's just make a fictional radio hit. So Breathe, the song with Tyler Rich that you hear um, Charlotte and Davis perform in episode one, 
Tyler and I wrote that a couple years ago and I just wanted to find a home for it. Um, and then the other songs were the same, same thing. The only two that were, that were written for the project were Champion, which Miranda sings, and then Working Out, um, cut by Lindsay L. Oh my God, that is so cool. Thanks. What do you think was the most difficult part about doing this? Um, uh, quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Just off the top of my head, um, we were shipping mics all over the country. Um, Michael Raymond James, who plays uh, Marshall, he lives on the East Coast, so we shipped him a microphone and we dropped microphones around Los Angeles to talent with like the, the sanitizing kit and everything. Um, going through all the, you know, before with acting and you could, if, and, and in music, like, I feel like this situation has made us all become so like, you have to learn how to use all this technology or else you're going to fall behind. So there were some growing pains with myself and, some of our cast trying to figure out, you know, uploading files to Dropbox. I mean, in, in incredible actors, but you know, we're not the most tech savvy bunch, but um, that was the nice. Yeah, that was the most challenging part of it. And um, uh, yeah, off the top of my head. And Marshall is hysterical. Like his sense of humor is hysterical. He's pretty. Uh, he's pretty. He's pretty quick witted, and a lot of that he did a lot of improvising. And it would. He's such an incredible actor, that, and he like stays in it. And and this has honestly been like the best acting class of my life, getting to work with actors such as him. But like, they um, it just. It, uh, he, yeah, we just, we just had a lot of fun doing this. And it's kind of like, there's this element of goofiness that is on top of it, doing our scenes like over zoom. It's just funny. Like, and so, um, kind of, it, it worked out so much better than I thought it'd be, but yes, he's, he's definitely, uh, he and I think Apollo cracked me up. Oh my God. Yes. What was your favorite part about doing this podcast? Oh, getting to work with such incredible talent. I mean, getting to work with Miranda and, you know, Billy Bob and Dennis, of course. I mean, that's been, that's been so rewarding, but most of all, it's telling the songwriter story. That's been my favorite part and, and bringing that story to, you know, a new audience and, and uh, seeing all the support. I mean, we're get, we're gearing up for season two, so I think, I think we did something right. Yeah. Oh yes, I you did you did definitely. Thank you. Uh, what do you think is the most? You know, you have any advice? Um, what do you? How would you handle Music City? Like, in your opinion, you know, because I know Nashville is pretty cutthroat. So, oh, it's advice for. It's, you know, it's like, I think it feels cutthroat because of the pressure that we put on ourselves, but really it's, there's so many, so many incredible songwriters here that 
just want to write. So my advice is to just write with anyone, everyone, whoever, you know, and you're going to have good sessions, bad sessions, great sessions. And you don't know, you won't have those experiences until you start putting one foot in front of the other. And so my advice is to just write with anyone and everyone that you can, that's, you know, that's a pursuing the same thing. And, um, and you'll see that it's not, you know, the songwriters amongst each other, it doesn't feel as much cutthroat because it kind of feels like, all right, we're all in this together. Let's write together. Cause you can't, you, ha- you need each other, you know, it's not as much like acting where you're on, you know, you're auditioning, you're going into these auditions. You can do that by yourself with the casting director reading the lines, but with songwriting, it's so much, there's so much collaborate collaboration that needs to take place and trust in the room. So that's just, that's my advice is to just write with anyone and and feel you know like you can be vulnerable with them vulnerability is the number one thing and obviously trust is too but vulnerability in order to you know connect with the lyrics I think is is something that needs do you um are you do you play guitar or piano or I don't play any instruments um I I feel like I'm wrong with that. Um, but one of my goals is to learn to play guitar. Uh-huh. My mom years ago bought me a guitar and it just sat in the corner of my room for years and I regret oh, it. I it's there for you. It's there for you. There's, you know, songwriting, the there's so many different parts of it where there's somebody in the room that top lines and is the lyricist and you know there's that's a, another great thing about collaborating with other writers is that you know where you feel like you might need more work someone else in the room might have that quality and so it kind of fits together and but I was gonna melody first or um you know what your songwriting process is yeah, um, I feel like I do melody first, or if I have like an idea about what I want the song to be written about, it's probably just like the chorus, and then I write around that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't have a specific, you know, process. It's just whatever I feel, you know, is right. Absolutely. First. Yeah, yeah, that's very true to songwriting. Did you always want to be a songwriter or how did that route? Um, I didn't ever think of it as a career. You know, there's so many things. Um, there's so many parts of the industry that you don't think about when you're 12 with a guitar. You know, you just think, I would think Leanne Rhymes or, you know, somebody that's like on stage performing. And um, so the thinking of being a songwriter was not something it was, it didn't, it, it really wasn't until like the last, within the last five years, I thought, Oh, I should, you know, I want to do this professionally, but I've been um, playing guitar and writing since I was about 12 or 14. And it was really just for fun. And, um, and then I started working in like the kind of commercial space and writing uh, songs for commercials. And then, 
it really opened up that door of opportunity and just the idea of, of, you know, making music for a career just seems like, well, that, that doesn't seem possible because it's, it's just so fun and it's, it's fun and it's easy. And, you know, that's when, you know, you, you know, you're doing the right thing. Right. I mean, or at least you hope you think you're doing the right thing. I know for me, I feel like I am, but then there's like a million voices in my head. Like, no, Angela, this is a dream. Like Mm -hmm. that's just going to be so far fetched. You can't, you know, that you can't reach and people are telling you that you're crazy. So it's just getting those voices out of my head and just yeah, with my gut. And that's, I feel like that happens with anybody at any point in their career. There's always that kind of that voice in, in your head that you kind of have to put aside and, and, you know, that's, that's so normal for anybody, any point in their career. Um, so my advice to you is to just keep writing. Well, do I will take that. <laughs> um, one last question. Um, 40% of the Grammy nominations are women. Yay for right. that. Um, how do you feel about the women in the music industry now? I feel like I'm, you know, we are seeing an up climb, which is good. Oh gosh, I mean, it's it's about damn time. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I'm so proud of like my fellow, you know female writers and and artists and, you know, for all, everyone just being so just persistent with it. Cause you could have, it could have, you know, they're, they're all those artists, they could have just gotten so fed up with it and tired and feeling defeated and they could have gave up and they didn't, you know, they kept going and going and fighting to get their voice heard and fighting to get their song or voice on on country radio or any radio really and so it's just it's just that you know I'm really proud of all those women for sticking with it you know and and women in music you know it's like there is a change and you know I don't I don't think there's any reason or need to like point fingers at anybody for the way that is it just has been that's just been the way it has been Mm -hmm. so I'm just so proud of you know these women for just you know pushing through and getting that nomination I mean each of their stories is I can't even imagine you know what they've what they've been through to to get to this point in their career and so that was also part of what we the story we wanted to tell for um, Make It Up As We Go is is the the voice that's behind country radio because there's, you know, these guys on country radio singing the words written by these amazing women in Nashville writing the songs. So, you know, we wanted to, to share their stories. And so, I mean, it's an incredible number and I'm, I'm just so happy to see that it's changed. I know, so am I. I feel like, you know, as women, one, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves and, you know, two, we put a lot of us out there, you know, a lot of ourselves out there. So, you know, for these women to be nominated in this big, this big 
category or this big award show is just, it's amazing to watch. And I just hope that, you know, we could keep that percentage getting higher. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's a start and, um, and yeah, well, thank you so much for taking time to, to talk with me and for listening to the project. And I just, it's, you know, again, it's, we didn't know what kind of reaction we'd get. And my dream was to be able to reach another female songwriter and, and that has been you. So thank you so much. This means a lot to me. So thank you. Of course. No, thank you so much for, for making an, an impact in my life and for inspiring me. And, you know, I hope inspiring, not just me, but many others, I'm sure. And you did such a great job and congratulations on all the success. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. No, you definitely deserve it for sure. Thank you. Well, you get those guitar lessons going. I will. I will. <laughs> well, thank you so much for following me on my journey this year. I promise there is much more to come, including a pretty amazing song, if I may say so myself, that um, I'm going to share with you at the end of this podcast called Howdy Christmas. I wrote this with my partner, Jared Goodstadt, and it's performed by myself and country superstar Haley Witters. It's been incredible getting to work with all these talented and inspiring women, Lindsay L., Randall Lambert, Nicole Gallion, and I cannot thank them enough. And I want to give a special shout out on that note and express support for this special, very special organization for any female artists or any female in the music business. She is the music is a nonprofit organization working in music to bring visibility and opportunities to women in the industry. Their three pillars include all female writing camps, the largest global database of women in music and mentorship opportunities. Visit sheisthemusic.org to learn more. Thanks to our sponsor, Unilever, who helped make this project possible. Check out all the music from Make It Up as we go. And now, here's Howdy Christmas. The tree is dressed with Christmas souvenirs. Let's not let the magic disappear. And if the Christmas lights never shine this bright, I'll always be merry as long as I got my best boots and bells on. Headed home where I belong. That Tennessee tinsel on my Christmas tree. A little
Get me singing.